Well, we are in a series uh, in John chapter 13 through 17. We started it last week. And we're looking at the Upper Room Discourse. This is a series of talks that Jesus gave his disciples just hours before he was crucified. And the themes that, that run through the talk are the themes of comfort, joy, and peace. And so last week we looked at joy and how to find joy. And today Jesus is going to take up the topic of peace. Now, peace is that promise of Jesus that wages war on anxiety in our lives. Uh, peace is that, is that promise that breaks the power of anxiety and stress in our lives. Now, many commentators and uh, magazine writers, psychologists, one thing that everybody keeps on saying is that an ailment that marks our culture more than anything else in the modern world is the ailment of anxiety. So for whatever reason, uh, anxiety, restlessness, and stress uh, just seems to be something that marks our modern age more than anything else. And it's not an overstatement that W.H. Uh, Auden, uh, he wrote a poem way back in 1947 where he called our age, the modern age, the age of anxiety. And I don't think that's an overstatement. I think that's reality that many of us deal with on a, on a daily basis. In fact, there was an entire online series in the New York Times uh, where there were authors that contributed essays all around issues of anxiety. And there was one essay in particular that I remember. It was written by a British author. Her name was uh, Ruth Whitman. And she tells the story about how she came to the U.S., on business, you know, and stayed here for a short, short time. But one thing she noticed about Americans was this peculiar psychosis of anxiety. And she, she calls us uh, a nation of nervous wrecks in her essay. And this is what she said. She said, despite being the richest nation on earth, the United States is, according to the World Health Organization, by a wide margin, also the most anxious with nearly a third of Americans likely to suffer from an anxiety problem in their lifetime. America's precocious levels of anxiety are not just happening in spite of the national great happiness rat race, but also perhaps because of it. Do you hear what she's saying? She's saying, here we are as Americans, and we've got the American dream that we are relentlessly pursuing, the pursuit of happiness, and we define happiness so often as more uh, health, more stuff, uh, better kids, smarter kids, uh, the latest gadgets, and this pursuit, she says, is making us a nation of nervous wrecks. Maybe you feel that today. And this anxiety, this issue with anxiety that, that we struggle with, it's not just something that affects adults. Uh, this is something that is also affecting our kids, uh, interestingly enough. So I was listening to a podcast last week by a, a woman, her name was Kara Powell, and she's the uh, director of the Youth Institute at Fuller Seminary. And she was asked by the, the interviewer, she said, he said, Can you, uh, what, are, what are some of the issues that you see going on with, with young adults, you know, kids, you know, late teens, early 20s, what, what are some of the issues that they're facing? And she says, the good news is that the, uh, you know, the normal risk behaviors are slightly down, surprisingly, like drinking and drug use, uh, partying, premarital sex. She said, the good news is that that stuff, surprisingly, is slightly down. She says, what's disturbing are the risk behaviors that are, that are up. And she says the risk behaviors that are up all, all revolve around stress, anxiety, and depression, suicide. And she says, in fact, the uh, state of California legislated recently that every student on the back of their ID card uh, has the national suicide hotline. 
And she says whenever she mentions that to audiences, you know, applause erupts because uh, issues of mental health and emotional health are, are huge, a huge, especially with people doing, uh, with, with young, young adults and people in their teens. And for many of us, this is not just a national problem, you know, something that plagues our age, our culture. This issue with anxiety is a very personal issue. And so, uh, you know, just in my own life, I've dealt with anxiety, chronic anxiety, you know, on a pretty consistent basis. I guess chronic is consistent, right? <laughs> but uh, in, my, in my 20s, I actually had panic attacks, which is when your stress is so intense that it actually affects your body. And I remember there was one time where I, it was one of my first dates with Anita. I was in my 20s. And I called her up on this thing called a telephone, which is actually attached to the, a landline. And you actually have to, if they're home, you can, you can talk to them. But I called her up. I asked her on a date. We, I went over to her house. And as I went on, 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 in on the house, I sat on the couch, and her dad was quizzing me. And suddenly I had this panic attack. And these things, if you've ever had them, it's like you cold sweats and, you know, everything's closing. It's the end of the world and you feel like you're dying. And, and so this was happening to me. And I actually looked at her dad and I said, could you call 911? You think your dates are awkward. That was so awkward. And her dad had the wherewithal to just be like, okay, calm down. It's going to be okay. Five minutes later, I was fine and we went to go see a movie. But maybe, you're, maybe you struggle with this too. Maybe this is, you know, I, I don't have panic attacks anymore, but I still deal with anxiety. And maybe you're somebody that just worries about everything. You know, you're worried about the kids, or you're worried about retirement, or you're worried about your money, or you're worried about politics. Uh, you're worried about your job. You know, maybe you're somebody who struggles with chronic worry. And, and there are some of you, you are such chronic worriers that even when there's nothing going on, you worry about that. Like, oh no, there's nothing going on. I've got to be worried about something. Now, the good news is is that God is deeply concerned with our worry. And so uh, there's one point in the, uh, where Jesus addresses anxiety very directly. And it's in his most famous sermon. So right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know, Jesus addresses anxiety. We usually don't think about emotional health like anxiety is a spiritual issue, but Jesus addresses it there. And he says in Matthew 6, 25, he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and your body, what you're going to wear. And so Jesus addresses anxiety. It's an issue, and he cares deeply about it. He says, don't worry about your life, and don't worry about your future. Uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat or, or your retirement or your, your job. Just don't be anxious about this stuff. It's a spiritual issue. But somebody says, well, how do I do that? How do I not be anxious? It's like, don't think of a pink elephant. It's like, how do I not worry about my life? That's a great command, Jesus, but how do I do it? Well, in chapter 14 of John, Jesus addresses anxiety again, and the thing that he tells us that we need if we're ever going to break the power of anxiety in our lives, the thing that we need if we're we're ever going to not be anxious about our lives is we need what he calls peace. Uh, Notice what he says. This is John 14, and it's down there in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So how do you not worry? How How do we get some relief from stress? He says, well, you need to understand peace. What is this peace? And why do we need it? 
And how do we get it? That'd be a great outline for a sermon, wouldn't it? Peace, what is it? Why do we need it? And how do we get it? Let's first look it out. What is this peace? So in order to get uh, what he's talking about here when Jesus talks about peace, we have to get some of the context. So uh, remember, this is Jesus in the upper room hours before he, he's going to be crucified. And uh, he's been talking to his disciples, and he's been talking to them about some very disconcerting stuff. He's dropping all these bombs on them. He's saying, I'm going away. And I'm going to suffer, and it's going to get dark, and, and where I'm going, you can't follow me, and, 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 and you're going to suffer too, and it's all going to be terrible. And he's dropping all these bombs on them, and, and they understandably, as they're listening to this, they're getting worried, and their hearts are getting troubled. In fact, this is a phrase that goes all the way through this section, is their hearts were troubled, their hearts were anxious. Their hearts are afraid. Now, there's a good sort of worry, isn't there? Or a good sort of fear. You know, you're walking uh, in the street and a car comes, comes down the road and you're, you're, you, this fear is there and ag- adrenaline kicks in and you jump out of the way. This is good fear and it keeps you safe. But there's a bad sort of fear where, where you feel this adrenaline and you feel this worry even when the car's not coming. It's an abiding, under-the-surface anxiety that's chronic and it's there all the time. Your heart is troubled. And this is what the disciples are doing with here. Their hearts are troubled and they're anxious and they're afraid. And into their anxiety, into their worry, Jesus gives them peace. He speaks to them this word of peace. He says, peace I give to you. And what Jesus is doing here is he's giving them the antidote to their worry. This is the medicine for their anxiety, this peace. And so what is it? Well, the Greek word peace is uh, tr- it's, uh, transliterated. It's, it's the, word, it's the, the uh, letters I-R-E-N-E, irene. Can we all say irene? It's the word peace. Uh, and li- if say it out loud, it's the word irene. So are there any irenes here in the room? Your name means peace if you're irene. It's also where we get the word irenic from. And what this is, is it's an inner uh, tranquility. It's an inner equilibrium. It's an inner quiet. So in the Bible, there's a contrast between joy and peace. So joy in the Bible is marked by noise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And peace is marked by an inner quiet, an inner calm, an equilibrium on the inside. Now, it's not marked by a peace from, you know, having a peaceful environment. You know, notice Jesus says, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So the world gives you a peace that comes from being in a tranquil environment. Um, I'm from a big city with lots of traffic and noise pollution. And when I moved to Batesville, like this place just was, it seemed so tranquil to me. I get off the plane, and there's no noise pollution, and there's no traffic, and there's lakes and rivers and streams, and it's simple life. And it's almost like I, I, I relaxed for the first time in my life when I moved to Batesville. But we all know that we can live in a place like this and still have an inner restlessness. Some of you do. And so this is not a peace that comes from having an outer calm environment, but this is a peace that comes from having an, an inner tranquil environment. Uh, the peace on offer here from Jesus is not the peace that comes from tranquility on the outside, but tranquility on the inside. 
It's a calm in the midst of chaos. So a, a picture of this is uh, Jesus. And so Jesus says, my peace I leave to you. Jesus was someone who demonstrated this peace. And a picture of this is, remember, uh, that him and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm arose and the waves are, are going back and forth and everything's crazy, including the disciples. They're freaking out, you know, and, and they think they're gonna die and they look over at Jesus and what is he doing? He's asleep in the boat. So sleeping in the middle of a storm, that's a picture of what this peace is. It is tranquility and equilibrium on the inside, even when there's chaos and craziness on the outside. It's marked by sleeping. And so Psalm 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Now there's some of you, you can't sleep at night. You are so filled with turmoil on the inside that you have trouble sleeping. This peace that Jesus has on offer is marked by the ability to sleep even when things are not going well. And it's not just the absence of something. It's not just like the absence of worry and the absence of fear, but it's the presence of something. And in particular, it's the presence of a sense that you're protected. And so in Philippians 4, it talks about Irene again. It talks about peace again. And Paul says that there's a peace that will guard your heart and minds. And the word guard there is the word used for a Roman garrison or a Roman squad of soldiers. And so picture like your heart is a citadel and around it there's a, a squadron of soldiers uh, you know, keeping all the anxiety out. So this piece is a hedge of protection around your soul, around your heart that keeps all the trouble on the outside. And so Eugene Peterson said it like this, all the water in the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. And this peace keeps the troubles out. It doesn't make them go away, but it keeps the troubles out. So you have this feeling that you're protected. There's an it is wellness about your soul. And this is not a natural emotion. Like some of you are just calm. You know, this is just your Myers-Briggs. This is just your personality. Sam Barry is kind of like this, Pastor Sam Barry. Sam, do you hear that? And he's just this very mellow, very calm guy. Things could be crazy, and Sam is just, you know, he's a tough cookie. But this is not just you're a tough cookie. This is, this is a supernatural uh, sense of protection that comes from the outside. It's not natural to any of us. And it's possible in any circumstance. And it's not stoic indifference. This is not, you know, I'm going to detach myself from the world. I'm just not going to care at all. You know, there are some of us, we have peace, but it's a peace that comes from just detaching. You know what I mean? You, get this, you have this hard, hard life, and you have a hard shell around you, and nothing gets to you, and you say to yourself, I'm not going to care about anything that I can't control. This is not what that is. Jesus cared about a lot of things, and he cared about a lot of people, and his heart was deeply ingrained and entrenched in the cares of this world, and yet he still was able to sleep in a storm. This is not medication. This is not ho, ho, ho to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woe. This is the presence of mind to be, to be calm. It's an equilibrium when everything else is going crazy. It's an it is wellness about your soul. It's your heart being at rest within itself. Don't you need this? 
Some of you are listening to me going, yeah, I want that. <laughs> Before we get at how, at how we get it, let's first ask the que- another question, which is, why do we need this? Why do we need this peace in our lives? Well, this is really, really important for us to have. This is not just like, if you can get some peace, that would be nice. This is vital for you to get this sort of peace. Now notice Jesus talks about it in his very last sermon, his very last teaching. And When you're at the end of your life, if you're about to die, you don't waste any words. You say only the things that are crucial. You say only the things that are vital. And Jesus in this very last discourse says, listen, you need peace. I'm telling you about it because it's crucial. This is not nice if you can get it. This is absolutely vital and necessary. It's not optional. And why is that? Well, why do we need this calm in the midst of chaos? It's because chaos in this world is inevitable. Why do we need calm in the midst of chaos? It's because the chaos will come. You will face storms in your life. That's a divine promise. So in John chapter 16, 33, you can turn there. Jesus says this. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Right? This is a, a divine promise from Jesus. It will get difficult. In your life and mine, things are going to be chaotic. It's not if when trouble comes, but when. This is just the reality of life, and some of you know this very, very well. I was, uh, there's this uh, book I saw online last week, and I took a little screenshot of it. It's gonna come up on the, sc- come up on the screen. And it was about family life in the, in the world today, and I, I, I love, is it gonna come up there? There it is, yes. I love the picture on the front. He's talking about how to have a nice family and how to have a godly family, and he says, you know what it's like to be a family in the modern world? That. It's not like, oh, one week is is a little bit crazy. It's like living in the world is crazy. Family life is like being in a storm. Life is like being in a storm. Remember Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says that build your house on a rock, and when the storms come, notice he doesn't say if they come, but when they come. So cancer diagnoses and kids that are wayward, and, and frustrations with the boss and aches and pains are normative. Chaos is inevitable. Why do you need calm in the midst of chaos? Because chaos is inevitable. The early Christians in the catacombs, you know, in the persecutions in the first century, there were these underground caves that the Christians would live in for safety. And on the the wall of the caves, they had little symbols of what it was like to be a Christian. And one was the fish symbol. You've seen seen them on the back of cars. That was an early Christian symbol that they would mark on caves. Another symbol of the early church was a boat in a storm. And they were saying, you know what it's like to be Christians in the world? A boat in a storm. Chaos, storms are going to come. We cannot control our lives. And so if you get up on Monday morning tomorrow and you say, Lord, I pray that nothing bad happens to me this week. That's probably not the right prayer. Pray instead, Lord, shore me up. Give me something that will help me face the inevitable storms that will come my way. Why do you need peace in the chaos? Because chaos in this world is inevitable. And if you don't have peace in the chaos, you're you're not going to move forward. Your anxiety is going to immobilize you. 
know, your anxiety is going to stop you in your tracks. You know, disciples are, they need to evangelize the world and they need to be on mission. And Jesus doesn't want them to be holed up, scared in the upper room. And if they're ever going to move forward, they need peace. And if you're ever going to move forward and do the things that God has called you to do in life and take risks, you are going to need the inner calm, this tranquility, this equilibrium if you're going to move forward. You need peace and chaos because, you know, you need peace to love people. You know, have you ever noticed how difficult it is to make peace on the outside if you have no peace on the inside? You ever notice how hard it is to be present with somebody and to listen to somebody and love the people around you if you've got restlessness and turmoil on the inside? You know, Jesus here, he, it's right before he's, he's crucified and his, things are just chaotic for him in, in his life and yet Jesus has the inner calm to love and be present and care for his disciples. If we're ever going to love, we need to have this peace. If you're ever going to lead people, you need peace. Remember I, the quote from uh, Edwin Freeman at the very beginning I gave you last week? He said that, that we live in a world racked with anxiety. And he says, in this, a leader in this world is someone who demonstrates a non-anxious presence. And so he says, it's like when the building's on fire. People are going crazy and they're looking to the ones who seem to be calm. These disciples need to lead and you need to lead and and your family and people at work and all around you. And and leaders are people that have a non-anxious presence to be courageous and not be, you know, brushed around by, by all sorts of crazy things that are going on in the world. Leaders are immovable because they have this peace. You know, uh, on the West Coast, there are beaches with big rocks and cliffs, and you'll see these, the waves come up and, and, and wash against the cliffs, and there are these rocks there that, that just get beat down by the waves, and they get covered up by the waves, but as the waves go out again, the rock is still there. And this is how we need to be, immovable. Paul writes to Timothy in the New Testament, who is this very sensitive soul, and, and ministry was hard, especially in the, new, in the early New Testament period. Paul calls it warfare. And he says, Timothy, I know you're afraid, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Your fear is dangerous. And it will keep you from loving and being present and moving forward. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So how do we get that? It's the final question. How do we get this peace? Well, let's look how uh, Jesus gives the disciples peace. Notice uh, this peace is not something Jesus said that we can get from the world. You can't get it by managing your circumstances. We've seen that's impossible. You can't get it by dropping out or disengaging. That's not right. You can't get it by medicating. And I'm not, I'm not against anxiety medication, by the way. I mean, if you need that to stabilize the chemicals in your brain, man, do that. I'm not against counseling, therapy. Sometimes we need that. But, but really what Jesus is offering here is something beneath all of that. It's a deep, supernatural peace and it has everything to do with God. But how did, how did, where, where does it come from? Well, notice, what we have to see what is underneath our anxiety here. So you look at the disciples, their hearts are troubled, right? This, they're racked with anxiety. What, what's, why are they anxious? 
Well, there's probably a lot of things that made them anxious. You know, Jesus says, you're going to suffer. I'm going to suffer too. There's going to be crucifixion, and all these things are going to happen. So there are all sorts of things that are making them anxious, but there's one thing underneath all of it. And Jesus said it at the very beginning. At the very beginning of his talk, before Jesus says anything else, he says this one thing that I think just, it lodged in the, the disciples' brains. He looked at them and he said, I am going away. And I think that this phrase, just, it rolled over in their minds. Oh, he's going away. We're going to be alone. This, this, this fear that they were going to be alone, that Jesus was going away. Because Jesus, you know, Jesus was their everything. Jesus was their life. He gave them meaning and he calmed the storms. He gave them joy. He gave them purpose and mission. And do you remember that one point where Jesus, he looks at the disciples after he said something that, that the crowds thought was offensive, and he's, he looks at Peter and he says, are you guys going to go away too? And what did Peter say? He said, where else can we go? You alone have the words to eternal life. But here this one who was their all and their everything says, I'm going away, I'm leaving, and this time you can't follow me. And it's this fear of being alone. And I would argue that this is what's underneath all of our, our anxieties. It's almost a, a cosmic fear. A fe- a, you know, a feeling that we're cosmic orphans alone in the world. When I was younger, my, I remember being in the grocery store, and maybe some of you had this experience, where I was, I was in the grocery store and suddenly I lost my mom. And I was grabbing onto some other woman's leg. And she looked down, and I looked up, and I was like, you're not my mom. Ah, mom, I'm alone. (laughs) Where's my mom? And there's almost a cosmic version of this. I'm alone in the world. I'm at the mercy of random circumstances. There's this interview with uh, comedian Louis C.K. where he's on Conan O'Brien, and he starts talking about how he hates uh, social media. And he says, it's because it distracts you from the hard realities of life. And Conan's like, what do you mean hard realities of life? What are you talking about? And Louis C.K., he has this moment of vulnerability where he looks back and he says, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing that, that you know, the forever empty. Conan's like, what are you talking about? He says, you know what I'm talking about. It's just that knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. And he says, sometimes I'm in the car and I have a moment of quiet and that forever empty that comes upon me and I think, oh no, I'm alone. I grab my iPhone. And he says, this is why we're entertaining ourselves to death. This is why we're distracting ourselves to death because we're trying to get away from that feeling that we are cosmic orphans. But notice what Jesus says here. He says, yes, I am going away, but he says, I am not going to leave you orphans. He says, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to, not only am I going to come back, I'm going to come back to be with you and in you. He's talking about the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's actually better that I'm going away to be crucified because I'm going to come and I'm going to live in you by my Holy Spirit. I've been with you on this earth. I've been your friend, but you've been following me. But I'm going to come back in such a way that I will not only be with you, but in you. And this is where peace comes from. 
It's the knowledge that Jesus Christ, by his spirit, is present. St. Augustine said it like this, God alone is the place of peace that cannot be disturbed. So whatever you're facing, it's the knowledge that whatever I'm going through, God is with me. Jesus says, you want to know peace? Yes, we live in a world of anxiety and you need to be a non-anxious presence. Well, how do you get that? You need to know that I am with you. In the Bible, the most common command is do not be afraid. All the way through, do not be afraid. You know what it is always followed up with? It says, do not be afraid for, God says, I am with you. And that's where the peace comes from. Remember the old song, don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Man, that's not true. You don't know that everything's going to be all right, but here's what you do know, that whatever you face if you're a Christian, God, by his Holy Spirit, is not only with you, but in you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Peace comes from God's presence. St. Patrick was a, he was an old uh, church father. St. Patrick's Day, you know, we, for him. He lived in the early, uh, you know, the early Middle Ages and his world was a world uh, with illness and wars and craziness and he had this prayer that he would pray to remind himself that God was with him. It was called St. Patrick's Breastplate. He says, whenever I'm afraid, I pray this prayer and this is what it, how it went. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts and all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. He says, whenever I'm afraid, I realize, Christ, you're all around me. And so tomorrow morning when you walk into that boardroom, and you are just racked with anxiety for what it's going to be like there. You just remind yourself, maybe pray a prayer, God, you're with me as I walk into this room. Uh, maybe if you're single, you know, tonight when you go to bed and you're, you walk into that empty house and you walk into that, that empty bedroom and there's that anxiety that, oh, I'm alone. <laughs> remind yourself, God is with me. He's with me in this very room by his Holy Spirit. The same Jesus that walked on water and calmed the seas and raised the dead and loved his own to the end, that Jesus is not, not only with you but in you. If you're a student and you walk into that exam, I know what it's like to be terrified that you're going to fail. Say, God is with me as I sit here in the seat. God is with you. God alone is the place of safety. There's an old song uh, written by Horatius Spafford. I'm almost done. And uh, it, it's the song, It Is Well, My Soul. And uh, few people know what he was going through when he wrote that song. So he, he was, uh, all of his, 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 his belongings in his home were destroyed in the Chicago fire. Lost everything. And then a few months later, he sent his, his wife and his four daughters to go on a vacation to England. And on the way, they were in a shipwreck, and uh, she was rescued out of the water, but his four little daughters died. And so she makes it to England, and she wires her husband, 
these words. She just said, saved alone. And Horatius Spafford writes the words of that song that begin like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Right, this is a peace in the midst of the storm. Whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, because Jesus Christ was with him and in him, even in the midst of that that storm where he felt vulnerable and exposed, there was a peace like a garrison, a a presence of a sense that he was protected, an equilibrium on the inside. This is one of the most beautiful promises of the gospel. If you're not a Christian, here today, you know, I just want to, I want to lay this out for you. You know, this is, this is part of the life that Jesus has on offer. You know, if you're tormented on the inside, if you're torn up, Jesus says, listen, there is a peace that comes from, from being in relationship with me. And if your, your world is chaos and things are just out of your control, he says, in me, in a relationship with me, you can have peace. Well, how do I get a relationship like that? Well, Jesus says the way to do it is believe. You believe in God, believe also in me. If you want to have this peace, Jesus says you need to invite me in. Believe. That just means invite Jesus into your life. Say, Jesus, I need you. I can't save myself. I need you to come and live in me and rescue me. And so if you want to do that today, I would love to talk to you after the service. And if you're a Christian here today, notice Horatius Spafford said, said, you have taught me to say, this is something you learn over time. That the more you practice the presence of God, the more you experience a decreasing level of anxiety and an increasing level of peace. How do I practice the presence of God? Well, we're going to learn more about that next week. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this powerful verse about your peace, and God, um, I pray for these, your precious people, uh, those uh, of your flock that have come in here, uh, so many of us uh, have just brought all sorts of anxieties into this room, and God, this morning, we want to bring those anxieties to you, and we just want to begin by reminding ourselves that you are the God who by your Holy Spirit dwells in us. Christ, you are all around us. Uh, Like a garrison of soldiers, Lord, you surround the citadel of our hearts. And God, I pray that we would experience this supernatural equilibrium. God, that we could be those people that exhibit a non-anxious presence. God, as the, the building's on fire, that we would be those people, because of you, because of your calm, experience peace. And we pray that you would do this in us, in Jesus' name, amen.